Well, Merry Christmas, Element Church. So glad that all of you are here with us today. If you're new here, my name is Jeff Manis. I'm the lead pastor here at Element. Uh, so glad that you've chosen to celebrate Christmas with us today. Say the same thing to those of you joining us via video. I know you may not be in the room with us, but you're still a part of our home. And we're just so glad that you're able to connect with us this way. If you're using Facebook Live or have access to that, click that share button there. It's just a great way to let everybody know what God's doing here at Element. As you heard earlier, uh, we are not having our regular Sunday services tomorrow or on New Year's Day. We're picking up our regular schedule back on Sunday, January 8th. We have a message planned for that Sunday about knowing the why behind your life, living life with purpose. It's a perfect message for the start of the new year, so I'd invite you back for that. And then on every seat when you came in are some information and invite cards for the next sermon series we'll be starting on January 15th called Contentment, the lie about having more. That more is never the answer for contentment. It is a con. And so this, this subject's way bigger than just money. It affects every part of our lives. And we're going to talk about in the series, how do we overcome this uh, uncontentment? What's the power of being content? Why? What should I know about being content? And we're going to uh, hopefully offer a helpful series to expose the con in contentment. That's on Sunday, January 15th. We're starting that. But enough about what's coming up. Today, we celebrate Christmas. I don't know if I have anybody else in the room who loves Christmas. Christmas, but I absolutely, I love Christmas. I love everything about it. I love Christmas music, which by the way, we should say thank you to our band today. Unbelievable job. I hope you have enjoyed the addition of the strings uh, today. That's been amazing. They did a fantastic job. I love Christmas decorations, especially if I'm not the one putting them up or taking them down. Can I get a witness up in here? Yeah, like I love decorations. I love the Christmas spirit, but most of all, I think I love the expectation or the anticipation of what you're going to get for Christmas. Now, I know as we get older, I'll let you you declare whether you are in that category or not, but as you get older, that wears off a little bit. But do you remember? when you were a kid, uh, just the excitement of the anticipation, the expectation of what you would get for Christmas. Like if it was in a box, you know, you would shake the box, try to figure out what in the world is in that box. I mean, your parents are going through this right now. If it wasn't in a box, you would do your best to like feel it without breaking the paper because then mom would get all mad. And I don't know if you had a counter on your, in your family. You know what a counter is? They count all the presents and make sure it's even. Like one, two, three. She has seven. I have five. Not fair. Not fair. And then you get older and you realize that value matters more than quantity. So one gift might equal the seven gifts that your sister got. And it was kind of frustrating to wait for your gifts. But that, that wasn't the worst part about waiting. The worst part about waiting was having all that anticipation, all that expectation, and then getting to Christmas morning, or if you don't believe in Jesus and you open all your presents on Christmas Eve, whatever. But you get to the Christmas time, right? I'm kind of kidding. It's a Christmas time, and you tear through those presents, and the gifts you received weren't at all what you expected. That's, have you ever had that moment? Like, like the, the moment that didn't live up to the hype, like the pink bunny pajamas from the Christmas story, right? That's, or, or the one-year subscription to the Jelly of the Month Club from Christmas Vacation, that regardless of what Cousin Eddie says, it is not the gift that keeps on giving all year. 
I haven't even watched that movie yet this year. I need to get that one in before the weekend's over. Well, Jimmy Kimmel, who's got a late night talk show, if you don't know, uh, he wanted to take advantage of this expectation that children had about Christmas. And so he asked the parents who are viewers, he asked the parents, hey, um, tell your kids that you're letting them open one present early, but don't let it be a real present. Like find something you know they will hate. Something from around the house, a reused toy, an empty milk carton, whatever it is, wrap that up, have your kids open it, then record them opening it, and we might show your video on the late night talk show. Now, this is incredibly mean, okay? But I have no problem laughing. And so, go ahead and check out these kids' responses. What is it? An old banana. An old banana? Isn't that exciting? No. What are you doing? Looking at. Oh, okay. <laughs> what is that? I got a girl activity book of stickers. I'm not a girl. Me, I'm not a boy. I'm not a boy either. Great grandpa's candy. I got ponies. What's the price? What's wrong? You're not excited about your presents? I got ponies. I don't want ponies. They're they're for girls. Guys, mine is a stupid book. We thought really hard about what to get you this year. Well, you didn't do a very good job. It's the worst Christmas I ever had. It's from Santa, huh? It's from Santa. Next time you write to Santa. If you want to open it, go ahead. Hopefully they got it right. <laughs> they screwed it up. This is supposed to be Hester. <laughs> Nothing says Christmas cheer like making your kids cry over Christmas. That's just funny. <laughs> Honestly, though, I don't blame those kids for being so mad. I mean, right? Like here they here they were, all that expectation, all that anticipation for what could they possibly receive only to be left incredibly disappointed in the gift they actually received. And here's the thing. Here's how this relates to us. If we're not careful, all of us, me included, this is exactly how we can respond to the gift of Jesus that God gave us on the very first Christmas. That if my expectation for the arrival of Jesus is that somehow he'll just make my life better, that surely he'll give me a good job and money in the bank and a perfect spouse and a, and a long life and good health and happiness and all that stuff, that, that my expectation for Jesus, that if, it's, if it's just he'll make things better, then I'm going to be incredibly disappointed. I won't like the gift of Jesus that God brought us on that very first Christmas, why he came in the first place. And listen, that's where a lot of people are at with Jesus today.
And I get it. I do. So if you're here, maybe you're here, you're listening, watching online, and you have struggled to believe in Jesus because he has not done for you what you expected him to do, I just want you to know right up off the front, at the, at the front, that this is a judgment-free zone here at Element Church, that we don't judge you for your struggles, your questions, your doubts, or your unbelief. There's no other place we'd rather you be than right here today on Christmas Eve. And there's something that I think all of us need to remember about Christmas. Now, for a lot of us, this will just be a reminder today in this message, but for somebody, it might be a revelation to you. And that revelation could lead to a revolution in your heart if you allow God to begin to work in you. So here's the big idea for today. This will be the thread that weaves all the way through the message on the screens if you want to write it down. It's this. Jesus didn't come to make my life better. Jesus came to give me a brand new life. He didn't come to make my life better. He came to give me a brand new life. That life is the reason Jesus came. And I'm not just talking about living and breathing life, breathing air in and out, because all of us live for different lengths of time while on the earth. I'm not even talking about quality of life, because all of us live under or with different circumstances in life. I am talking about spiritual life, abundant, full, eternal life that is not connected to how long I live or the quality of life that I have. It's that kind of life Jesus wants to give. John, one of the 12 disciples, perhaps the best friend of Jesus while he was on the earth, recorded Jesus saying this in John 10, verse 10. The thief or the devil comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come, Jesus said, that they may have life and have it to the full. Amen? So if life is the reason Jesus came, spiritual, abundant, full, eternal life, then we better understand what that means and how it relates to us. So here's the big question that I want to help answer today. What should I know about God's gift of life? What should I know about God's gift of life? If you brought your Bible or you have one on your phone or something, turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke 2, 25 through 35 is our main scripture for today. Uh, you can follow along. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry on the giant screens here. We have all the verses. And if you happen to come today, you don't own your own Bible. It's not the most, um, it didn't cost the most money, but it is the most valuable gift we can give you. We'll give you a free Bible. And so if you ask for one at guest services, we'll give you one for free on the way out. And let's just jump right in here to Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 25. At that time, and just so you know, that, that time was eight days after Jesus was born, so right about a week after the first Christmas, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. And just so we, we are all aware, the entire nation of Israel was waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. Like all the Jewish people for hundreds of years were waiting for a Messiah. Where they went wrong was they didn't understand the gift God was bringing. They were expecting a physical king that would make their life better and that's why so many Jewish people missed the Messiah when he came. So here's what it says about Simeon. The Holy Spirit was upon him, and, he had, and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit led him to the temple, so when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. 
he took the child. I want you to imagine this happening. Okay, we sometimes read the Bible as if, oh yeah, it's the Bible. But like Simeon lived this. I think this is so cool. He took the child in his arms, so he's holding Jesus, and he praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I love what he says. I have seen your salvation. Isn't that awesome? I've physically seen, I'm holding your salvation. Some of you have been wondering uh, this whole time, what is this here and why am I standing behind it? So if you've not figured it out yet, this is our effort and our creative team did an amazing job of what a manger in a stable might have looked like in the time of Jesus. So I don't normally have a manger as a pulpit if you're, you know, not from here. We don't normally do this. And now that I'm addressing the manger, I would like to welcome into our service all the type A OCD people who've been distracted the entire time. We're glad you're here as well. You had no idea what happened until just now because I explained the manger and you were wondering what in the world was going on because I am one of you. So now that the manger's here, welcome. So glad you're here. Here's what we're going to do with the manger though. The manger's going to be, I've had too much caffeine. The manger... It's going to be an illustration for us. It will help us, I hope, along with the words of Simeon, to understand this gift of life that Jesus brings. There's three things we'll see in the story. The first thing that we need to understand comes from Simeon's statement as he held baby Jesus in his arms when he said, I have seen your salvation. I've seen it. So here's the first thing you've got to understand. God's gift of life is found in a person. God's gift of life is found in a person. The gift of life that God brings, salvation, is not a plan. It is not a process. There aren't stages to our salvation. We don't get to say, well, let me, let me get this worked out here and tweak this there and change this here and let me get my life cleaned up first and then I'll kind of come to God. Let me, let me go to church, say the right prayers, read the Bible, do some good deeds, follow the plan, stay on the process, and then I'll have life because, I, I mean, after all, I am a good person. It's not how it works. God's gift of life is not a formula found in a plan. It cannot be attained by following a process. It is found in a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. Simeon said it best when he held the baby Jesus in his arms, and he said, I have seen your salvation. Seen it. Just eight days earlier, if you have never read the Christmas story, or if you're looking for something to do with your family tonight or tomorrow, I encourage you to read the first part of Luke chapter 2, which really is the Christmas story where Jesus arrives on the scene. Eight days earlier in this story, Mary gave birth to a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth, the Bible says, and she placed him in a manger. They then named him Jesus because the angel of God told them to name him that. The, the name Jesus in Hebrew is the name Yeshua, which means the Lord saves. The Lord saves. So think about the magnitude of what this moment means. Because Simeon wasn't holding a plan or, pro- or process written down on paper. Simeon was holding, and Mary placed in a manger a person, the pure Son of God, God in the flesh, 
fully God and fully man. I'm not sure my human words can do justice to the gravity and depth of what God did on that Christmas. Imagine, maybe this will help. Imagine what it must have been like in heaven in this moment. What were the angels thinking when God came down as a baby? I mean, here, here the angels were in heaven. They had never known anything different but Jesus being with them in heaven. We've got to understand, Jesus did not first appear in the form of a human. Jesus is a part of the eternal Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are co-equal and co-eternal, meaning Jesus had no beginning and he has no end. He is the almighty God. He's the infinite one. And the angels knew that. He was absolutely holy in heaven. He was the creator. The Bible tells us nothing was created except through Jesus. He was the author of life. I mean, the angels had to be in disbelief. What is God thinking? Coming down to a manger. But here we have the infinite one becoming an infant. The holy one allowing himself to be helpless. The creator entering creation. The author of life being given life by a teenage girl. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. And Simeon said, as he held God, I've seen your salvation. Isn't that amazing? Acts 4 verse 12 Luke, who also wrote the gospel of Luke that we're reading from, he, he, wrote Acts, he wrote the book of Acts, and he's recording some words that Peter was giving, the apostle Peter, in a sermon. And he said this, There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. That Jesus didn't come to make my life better. If that's what I expect, I'll be sorely disappointed. He came to give me a brand new life. So what should I know about God's gift of life? It's only found in a person. His name is Jesus. It means the Lord saves. I'm going to read to you Luke 2. I'm going to read all of verse 30 again, then verse 31. Simeon said, I've seen your salvation. I'm holding him. He was in a manger. Then he says this, which you've prepared for all people. So here's the second thing we've got to know about God's gift. Number two, God's gift of life is for all people people. I don't know about you, but I'm glad for that. <laughs> Knowing how I've lived my life, I'm glad it's for all people. Have you ever thought about the significance of the manger itself? Like why a manger? Why, why a stable and a manger did God choose for, for Christ to be laid in? I mean, the Bible is clear that regardless of whether it was a barn made of wood or a cave, like in a mountain, some folks believe that you know, stables were put in caves, which very well doesn't matter. Regardless of that, the Bible is clear that Jesus was born and, and in some place that was not meant to house human beings. And then he was placed in a manger, which if you don't know, is an animal feeding trough. It's what a manger is, where cows would eat the, the hay out of the manger. So what's significant about that? I mean, you'd think the Son of God... God in the flesh deserved something greater. He would arrive with pomp and circumstance, right? Maybe a mansion on a hill, a palace with guards. I mean, at the very least, could we have gotten a gated community in Jerusalem? Come on, could have found something, right? To give Jesus some privacy. 
and some protection, but with his birth, there would be no guards to protect him. There was no mansion announcing the Messiah, no gated community to give him privacy. Jesus, this is huge, Jesus was born among the animals to show that anyone had access to him. He was laid in the lowest of places so we would know he came for the least of all people. He was born in the worst of conditions so that we would know he came for the most unclean. That regardless of who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter how you feel, we sang about it earlier, our king has come for you. And the manger is that message. In fact, the manger is a physical model of a spiritual message. So imagine, if you will, that we're kind of dividing the room, not up here, but not down there, but up here. And on this side of the manger is heaven. And on this side of the manger is the earth. And if the manger is a physical model of a spiritual message, this is that message from Jesus. I am leaving holy heaven to come to hell on earth so that I can take you by the hand and bring you back to heaven so you don't get what you deserve. The manger was a gateway from heaven to earth so Jesus could be the gateway from earth to heaven. Now that's good. I'm leaving holy heaven to come to hell on earth so you can be with me in heaven and not get what you deserve. What do we deserve? Hell. All of us. Me included. Why? Why do we need a gateway? Why do we need Jesus to get to heaven? Because all of us have sinned. All of us. If, if you're here and you claim you have not sinned, Jesus, we are so glad you're here today. Thanks for coming. All of us... That'd be awesome. All of them, Jesus, here on Christmas Eve, how cool would that be? All of us have sinned. All of us, me, you, Billy Graham, even though it's hard to believe, Tim Tebow has sinned. All of us. That dude's amazing. All of us have sinned. That sin separates us from a holy God, and nothing can bridge the gap between us and God except Jesus. Because we sinned, there's a penalty. Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the what? Free gift. That's what we're talking about. The free gift of God's eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That Jesus didn't come to make my life better. He came to give me a brand new life. So what should I know about this life? Well, let's go back and look one last time at what Simeon said as he was holding Jesus. Luke 2, 30 to 32. He said, I've seen your salvation. So it's found in a person. Which you prepared for all people. So it's for anyone regardless of who you are. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. And he is the glory of your people, Israel. I want to read to you, we heard it earlier during our worship time, the lighting of the Advent wreath, we heard another prophecy from Luke chapter 1 about Jesus. I want to read to you verses 78 and 79. This is John the Baptist's father who is speaking this prophecy. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. 
to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide us to the path of peace. Not, I know last week we talked about, you know, peace and the peace God gives. And we know that peace is not the absence of problems, but God's presence in the midst of them. We talked about that. But this is not even talking about like inner peace, like I'm, I'm cool, like I'm good with what's going on around me. This is something different. This peace is a spiritual peace. That the light is going to show us a pathway to peace, meaning there is now nothing between me and God. We are on the level. That's what that means. That I've been made right in the eyes of God. So the third thing we got to understand about God's gift is this. God's gift of life is a light to show us the path. A light to show us the path. Darkness describes the state of the Jewish people at the time of the arrival of Jesus. Complete, utter, pitch black darkness. Physical and spiritual. Physical darkness because the Jewish people were were ruled oppressively by the Roman government. They would have been regularly mistreated, overly taxed, undercared for. I mean, the Jewish people would have said about their situation, this is the shadow of death. It is spiritual or it's physical darkness. Spiritually, they were dark too. For over 400 years, they had not had one word from God over 400 years. No more prophets, no more prophecies. Gone were the days of the parting of the Red Sea, the falling of the walls of Jericho, the slaying of the giant, walking through the lion's den unscathed, escaping the fiery furnace without smelling like smoke. Those days were gone. The religious leaders of the day were called scribes and Pharisees. Jesus said they were blind guides leading you in darkness. They cared far more about how they appeared to people than lighting up a pathway to peace. But on that holy night, in the midst of physical and spiritual darkness, because of God's tender mercy, the morning light of heaven was about to break upon us. And when Jesus was placed in this manger, when Simeon held him in his arms, God was making a declaration that life is found in a person. It is available for all people. And he will be a light to show us the pathway to peace. That Jesus, when he arrived, was telling us, you can come to the Father because I have come to you.